Welcome to Real You, Real Money, the podcast that will inspire you to love all of who you are and love making big money all at the same time. I'm Ray Dodd, your host and resident money coach, and week in, week out, I'm here to remind you that your feelings and experiences of money have nothing to do with who you are and everything to do with who you've been told you have to be. This podcast is all about powerful conversations that will support you in building a business that reflects who you actually are. This is not a one-size-fits-all style podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates the individual you are and more than that, believes your uniqueness is the key to you making the sort of money you truly want to. Thank you for being here. Let's do this thing. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Real You, Real Money. I know I say this every week and I say that I say this every week, but it's true every time I have a guest. I'm super excited to welcome Leah Gregory today. Leah is a high ticket launch and sales strategist. And in her Instagram bio, I'm going to read the whole thing. Why not? She's a high ticket launch and sales strategist for experienced and established coaches. I just want everyone to hear how how specific that is. So good. So good for exactly who our clients are. And Leah and I have known each other since our our last businesses, certainly for me, multiple niches ago, (laughs) like not just niches ago, businesses ago. So I'm really excited to be having this chat with Leah here. So first of all, welcome, Leah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So how long ago do you think we met? Like seven, eight years it's ago? It's got to be eight years, nearly eight years, yeah. Because my, it's the, around my youngest, I wasn't pregnant, was I? I think I'd had him. So he's eight, so it must be. He's like eight and a half. Yeah, because it coincides with so my eldest. That's how I transitioned out of my corporate career into mm. hypnobirthing at the time. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. So And how old is he now? He's nearly eight. Quite the age, isn't it? yeah that's so fun I've got a three-year-old and a nearly eight-year-old wow so, yeah so different roller coasters but yeah yeah I'm the I'm the other way I've got an 11 year old and an eight-year-old and I I don't know I just enjoy them more from when they're three or four like after they're like maybe four actually once they're out of I prefer toddlers to babies and kids to toddlers oh, and babies 100%. I think I say that like nearly every week everyone's like yes Ray we know your feelings about babies yeah I totally am with you I'm with you <laughs> yeah. uh, I was I'm always quite jealous of people are like oh they're so delicious like I don't think they are yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so tell us a little bit about <laughs> how you went from doing being a hypnobirthing teacher which you did I think for longer than I I did in the end how did you transition from that into the selling stuff that you do now? So I knew that I didn't want to go back to my corporate career. Mm-hmm. And like the the short answer is I did hypnobirthing with my eldest and mm-hmm. thought, oh, my God, this is incredible. Yeah. These women are incredible. And yeah. I have no idea, actually, yeah. until, you know, until then how incredible they are. I want to help women realize how powerful and incredible they are. This is perfect because I don't want to go back to recruitment, which is what Mm -hmm. I was doing before. So this is perfect. I'm going to train to be a Hitlerburden teacher. Um, And I did that and I was relatively successful and didn't love it. Mm. And Yeah, like I've always just loved sales, to be honest Mm. with you. And so while... Like, I love the helping women to 
ex or yeah, helping women to exceed the expectations they had for themselves to like realize their power and all of that great stuff. I just didn't want to talk about how worried they were about pooing themselves or <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like the like, like seeing their baby emerge. You oh know, my like, you know, all that sort of stuff, like perineal massage, like you know, I yeah. I, I am yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just told my child, my eldest child yesterday. I don't know why we do this nighttime like hugs thing where he hugs each of us for a little while and we chat. And and I don't know how it came up, but I thought I was like, yeah, women poo when they give birth. And he was <laughs> horrified. He was absolutely oh like, he was like, I was, I was born into poo. What, what are you? <laughs> it was amazing. I was like, yeah, because I just really think it's important to be like yeah. as honest as like we're watching friends with him at the moment. And oh my God, Friends is so about sex. It's so yes. about sex. But, and there's been a few things that I was like, I can't tell you what that means. Yeah. We'll but wherever that. I can, I try and say, it's just this. No worries. Whereas my husband's like, oh my God, what are you oh, doing? Wow. But yeah, so I, I did tell him about, about the pooing and the sieve. Oh God, the sieve. So if you have a water birth, for anyone who doesn't know, you could use a sieve to catch it. Yeah. So that for me. Hi, everybody. <laughs> really nice to meet you. I bet you're so glad you invited me. We're here already talking about vaginas and doing yourself. Brilliant. Sorry. Did you expect it to go any other way? <laughs> but yeah, like, so, you know, not that I, I'm happy as you know, you know, as you can tell from this conversation to talk about that sort of thing. Mm. Like, you know, it's not anything like, I just like didn't want to say the same thing over and over again yeah. to be that yeah <laughs> and, you know like I do repeat myself quite a lot in mm. what I'm doing now but because I love it so much yeah because it's so nuanced and it's so yeah. um yeah so that is how I transitioned out of hypnobirthing and into so I, I had a coach at the time who was helping me build my coaching my hypnobirthing mm. business mm. and I was like I don't want to do this anymore I don't really know what I want to do and mm. she was like, well, look, help me with my next launch. Why don't you have mm. to say, do the sales calls? You're a salesperson. Do the sales yeah. calls. And then you can kind of see what you've got a bit of time to see what it is you want to do instead. Mm. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And the rest is history. And did you do that in recruitment, those kind of sales calls? Like, is that was that sort of the stuff you did there? Or was that a different skill set? It was more cold calling right yeah so right. it was like hammering the phone like when I first right. started especially it was like it's changed so much now and it is more about leveraging social media and all. And I do mm. a bit, I still do a bit of corporate sales training for recruitment businesses mm. but yeah at that time it was absolutely hammering the phone playing the numbers game mm. yeah hearing no after no after no and yeah does that mean that when you went into selling in the way that you would more now and the way you do it, especially when you're doing it for like a coach or someone who's hired you in into this more like small business entrepreneur world, does it mean that you have a higher tolerance for like, did it train you in those no's? Like, do they not phase you or do you just know how to navigate them? Yeah, just not even the no's don't phase me. Like actually one of my coaches said to me recently and I didn't even realise like, I am just very okay with having an uncomfortable conversation. Mm, yeah. And like, I think that that, and, and that is, you know, a lot of the work that I do with my clients is like being okay with being uncomfortable because yeah. it is so tender and it is so, especially when it's so close to your heart, but mm. it is tender and it is, 
sometimes so uncomfortable to have those conversations to put your heart on the line to be like mm. oh I like you do you like me do you want yeah. to work together um so I'm yeah like that I think that resilience and also building and managing sales teams for 15 mm. years you know yeah like having those difficult conversations with people about them not hitting their targets and yeah how can I help you to to move through this difficult you know difficult time that you're having or mm. this isn't working yeah you know yeah so I was really good at dumping people as well <laughs> I bet you were. <laughs> it's so interesting though because I talk about this a lot with money that I think when we like it's an uncomfortable conversation like you say it's a vulnerable conversation and when we as the person who are selling the thing show up like your client's going to feel uncomfortable often even if you put like and if you don't put them at ease on the call, you've got two people with what I would describe as leaky stuff, mm. with their leaky stuff kind mm. of mingling. And then it's just like a ooh, very difficult conversation. Whereas if you show up and I'm like, is this your experience? If the person doing the selling shows up and is okay with, can hold the discomfort, like what impact does that have on the call? Well, I think like, obviously we can't claim a safe space because we're mm. strange relative strangers meeting mm. on the internet right but a big part of it is when you show up feeling okay with the level of you know I can hold my stuff and yeah. I can absolutely like that's yours and I can yeah. hold this space knowing that it is going to be uncomfortable because mm. they've got a problem that they want to solve and it's my job to show you that I'm a safe pair of hands mm. and help you as much as possible to feel that sense of safety within yourself so I can't give you that sense of safety but I can stack the odds as much as I possibly can mm. in terms of holding that space for you to feel like okay yeah yeah I, I can be I, I'm a, this is okay whereas I think when and even most sort of sales trainings like you there's so much energy that you bring to that like nervous energy like you're all up in your own head like what if they can't afford it what if this what if that and if and without that for both of mm. you like that very grounded like I'm going to hold this space yeah. for you to feel as safe as you possibly can in mm. yourself to be able to be honest with me because mm. that's the first part of the puzzle without being honest I don't know if I can help you yeah you don't know if I can help you yeah and without that sense of safety and that sense of like I'm a safe pair of hands it's okay like I do this mm. all the time you know like yeah. you go to see a consultant in a hospital they're mm. not like hi <laughs> yeah like you're so excited to talk to you about your heart and yeah 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 like it's okay we're here to talk about whether or not I can help you yeah yeah I love that and do you think that that's a mistake people are making a lot of the time do you think that they are like I guess what they're doing in though what we or what I, let's say we do in that moment often is we're trying to still win the person over with our personality yeah rather than actually answer the questions that they need answering yeah and I think yeah. the thing is like I don't think anything is a mistake in mm. the sense that like we're all doing the best we can with the information that we have yeah. and I think if you are just starting out and you've just had some sort of 
or even if you've got a sales background, whatever, you've had some sales training and it's like build rapport at the start and tick all of mm. the things off the, you know, go through the motions and you can't be like, I'm so excited. You probably are because you're yeah. new and that's okay. You probably will make a few sales. I think once you've got some skin in the game yeah. and you have, you know, you're not just collecting those no's because it's going to bring you one step closer to mm. a yes. And you're actually having like a, a consultative sales conversation mm. so you put yourself on the back foot when mm. you show up and you're like hi because that's what most that's how most sales conversations start mm. and you're excited and you're and then as you navigate that sales conversation and you get more and more excited because you're like holy shit this person is perfect mm. they tick every box they meet all the criteria I can absolutely see this person being my best testimonial mm. and so rather than selling them what they want and making them an in invitation that they can like make an informed decision about we try and sell our services with our excitement and our yeah. I, i'm gonna love working with you and i yeah so i can help you like cool but i can't really afford it because i don't really know what it is yeah <laughs> because you're just really excited and while that's lovely mm. like i can't like i, I can't yeah I, i'm not sure exactly how this is going to fit in like into the context of my life or how it's going to yeah. solve this problem you know yeah and you're really really banking on them and I think do you know where else I think that can work I think that can work if you have a and I, I think it can work to a point I should say if you have a very strong social media presence yes and they've been able to really get to know you and they're basically arriving on the call sold yeah then that can work but you're yeah. also missing lots of people where like like and I'll say this now the I have the worst closing rate with someone who's just found me to mm. the point that I actually generally don't take those calls anymore yeah. I tend to say go and listen to my podcast yeah and that's what I would say to all of my clients to do oh okay good yeah. I don't think <laughs> because wrong with that I think they're coach shopping yeah I think that and I, I'm like they that doesn't work like you what need with me I'm like I'm a really like you love me or you don't and yeah. if we're going to get on a call and you don't because that's the first time you're getting to know me but I do think there's like two sides to it but I love what you're saying because it feels like not everyone either they're new or this isn't their skill set not everyone has access to that like create a big machine of content that that someone can like deep dive into and this is why I'm such a by the way I'm such a big fan of podcasts because I've had people listen to all my podcasts in fact when I only had 15 episodes out I had a client listen to all the podcasts and then come and like spend a lot of money with me with barely a mm. question because she'd already decided but those are two separate skill sets do you like mm. and one of them takes a lot of time and what you're describing you, that feels like it's actually accessible to people sooner hundred percent and like I think this is the thing like yes your content can do some heavy lifting for you mm. but you don't need to be a content machine if you yes you know how, if you're good at sales if you're good at sales conversations you absolutely can go from a complete stranger mm. to oh my god I'm your biggest fan mm. you know yeah. within a 40 minute sales conversation you absolutely can and it's not all of this like while there aren't like while I don't think there are any mistakes like what I was saying earlier is I do believe like people write themselves off or they discount themselves from ever being the kind of person that can sell mm. because their like identity currently feels so far away from that but yeah. you know and, and I know people say you know you're not born like with this skill set you learn it but actually you were born the best salesperson 
Yeah. Because a baby is like, they get you to do what you want them to yeah. do. Everybody has that. Yeah. Like this yeah. little thing screaming in your face. Like I'm not suggesting that you sell your services in that way. That would be the worst. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we un we've unlearned the ability mm. to get, you know, to, to sell our, you know, ourselves and ourselves, you know. And I think you can learn it. You absolutely mm. can. I had a really successful corporate sales career. And then my hypnobirthing business was relatively successful. But like selling your, you know, selling something else, selling your own offers, like representing yourself rather than a, a big brand mm. is totally different. It requires a, like a whole new set of skills. And you found that harder. Did you find that harder? What was it? Why do you think people find that so much harder? I think there's a part of being like, you, you only have to do that one, like, you know, in my recruitment role, I didn't have to be be all of the things like, you mm -hmm. know, now I'm the accountant, I'm the, you mm -hmm. know, I have just made my first hire. I now have a, an OBM. So that's amazing. Fun. Yeah. And she's incredible. But until this point, like I was the accountant, I was the, mm. and you know, all of these things. And I think when you, there is that, it's like, and you don't prioritize the sales part because that's the uncomfortable part. That's the yeah. stuff, you know, even as somebody that loves sales and loves selling, like, do I faff around on Canva instead of doing what it is I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah, absolutely. Of course I do. I'm yeah. only human. I'm not in the mood today, you know. So, I love how um, human it is to faff on Canva. Oh God, yes. <laughs> and so, like, when you you don't you can't faff when mm. you're you know as much when you're you've only got like this is your job. And yeah. There is that, and I but I think the biggest thing is that it is a lot more tender. Like you're yeah. not selling a brand, you're not selling a a service, and although you're not selling yourself, it does feel like that. Yeah. And it does yeah. feel so personal, especially when people are like, "No, do you know what?" I can't really afford it. All right, now it's not for me. Thanks very much. It's like, oh my god, is it? Because is it? Am I shit? Is it is me? Shit! Oh my yeah. god. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the I can't, I can't afford it thing because this is one of the main reasons I invited Leah on because I think you you posted something about it and I was like. I need to talk to Leah about this yeah. because, and I was just saying to Leah before we press record, like I will suggest to clients, like, so if you have a, a tricky launch or you're selling stuff and you're like, Ray, no one bought it. Like I did all, I actually showed up, I did the stuff and no one bought it. Sometimes I'll say to clients, so why don't you email the people that clicked and say, why didn't you buy? And that's something I've done in the past. I don't tend to do it. Like I'll suggest it and I'll sort of do the whole spiel about it because I don't tend to do that much now because all you get back is I can't afford it. I couldn't afford it. Yeah. Now, what are your thoughts on, and we're going to talk more about more objections in a bit, but would you say that's the number one objection from people? I can't afford it. Like, so not, uh, not many without sounding like a dick, like not, people don't tend to say that to me. To you. Yes. Yeah. But to clients. To clients, it is up there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And why do you, why is that? Like what? And first of all, what is my first question about this? Why is it such a big objection? There we go. And why is it bullshit? <laughs> okay, so I think for like 99% of the time, I think it's bullshit. I think, yeah. again, if you're new at a business, then and you're finding your feet with your messaging and your qualification process, some people probably will slip through the net. But you mm. get to a certain point in your business where you're not marketing to people that can't afford to work with you. And if um, you are, then yes. you need to look at that. Yeah, 100%. And just because people have a pile of money sitting there with a sign on it that says 
you know, my next coach, doesn't mean they're going to spend it with you. Mm. They could still say I can't afford it. Yeah. And just because and and mean it because they can't see the value. And just because someone doesn't have the money, you know, I have put stuff on a credit card in the past to be able to do something because I know it's going to really help. So, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like not having that, not making assumptions either way. But I think I can't afford it is the easiest way to say no without saying no, because I don't want to hurt your feelings because you're lovely. And we've just spent the last 40 minutes together and especially if you're like oh my god I'm so excited to work with you because you're yeah. my dream client like it's like yeah. punching a puppy in the face when you're <laughs> like no because I don't really understand how this offer fits into the context of my life mm-hmm. or no so me saying to you I can't afford it like you can't persuade me to have money magically appear into my bank account if I yeah. can't afford it I can't afford it yeah yeah and this is it, like you said, I think it's really important to say so in some coaching circles, it's kind of suggested that I can't afford it is never true. Mm. And that's not true. Like, of yeah. course, sometimes I've discovered when pe- people just want to connect with me on a call. Yeah. Honestly, I'd like I'm, I don't I don't want to encourage a load of people to book calls with like that. Like, I'm not angry when that happens at all. I understand it, but I also like I would rather people and I've I've got stuff like when when you apply for a call and stuff, it's all in there. And so sometimes people get on a call and I'm like, I'm not sure why they did that call because yeah. I genuinely believe them that they can't afford it. Yeah. But other times I've had calls with people, and this has happened multiple times. We've talked about working together. Now, what I will say is I'm a money coach, so it's kind of this weird space where people have to spend money to work with me but they're showing up with stuff around money yeah so it can be a bit of a sticky thing and I often say to people who are about to sign up like you know what sometimes the money coaching starts before we've you've signed up because there's stuff going on but the amount of times we we go through a bit of a back and forth normally with these with the people that end up in this situation I get to coach them it turns out they have a lot of savings yeah a lot of savings yeah but but in our conversation and because I'm so like practiced in not getting into people's pockets in our conversation, if I'd believed what was being said, I'd have been like, whoa, 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 you cannot afford this. Yeah. But in reality, they actually have like normally I'm talking tens of thousands of pounds in savings yeah. at least. And it's just such an interesting thing, the way that, you know, not only do we sometimes it's the <laughs> so we don't have to punch the puppy in the face totally, but also sometimes people believe it like these people believe that it was a struggle for them to afford yeah or like they don't so I had a hypnobirthing client actually and her partner had left her Mm. and like a full disclosure I actually set her up I knew I used to work with her and I set her up with this guy yeah he left her what an a-hole anyway (laughs) he left her while she was pregnant and I was like oh my god like I want to help you. I'm a hypnobirthing mm. teacher. I don't know if you know what that is. Which was like, no. So anyway, and I said, look, I'm gonna. I said, I don't really think I can afford it. I'm gonna give you a discount because mm. I, I can appreciate. She was sort of saying mm. how tight money is. She's going to find somewhere to live. All this stuff. And so I live in. I live about half an hour from her. Right. Mm. So I did four in-person sessions with her. So in traffic, it was probably over an hour. I had arrived on the first session. The bugaboo was in the hallway. And I think, well, that's nice for you. Good. Yeah. 
Yeah. So probably doing it at a loss at this point by the time I've bought all your MP3s and your books. But yeah. I really hope you enjoy that bugaboo anyway. <laughs> so then <laughs> I bought cakes and everything. So then the next session, there's more furniture and it's all like lovely furniture. And so by the end of it, I was like, she could afford it. She just yes. didn't see the value yes. in it. Yes. She I tell a story all the time about a couple who talked me down in hypnobirthing. Like they, they were like, well, we don't need that. We don't need that. And so I offered it for less and less and less. And I know both of us at the time were dealing with numbers that felt big to us at the time. But yeah. now we're like, that was so cheap. Yeah. So they talked me down. And then we got to the bit of the course where you talk about independent midwives. And what independent midwives, I think they were like four or five grand. Yeah. Something like that. Maybe even seven, like between four and seven grand. And I remember going, I'll just speed through this bit. They can't afford this. And they went, oh, could we talk a bit more about independent midwives? And they turned to me like, maybe we should get one of those. Do you think we should get one of those? And I was like, you talk like, what? yeah. what's happening? My my private hypnobirthing was £350. Yeah. And they haggled. And a private midwife set like, five, let's say five grand, me in the middle. Yeah. And they were like really seriously considering it. Yeah. I was, I mean, the lesson I learned... <laughs> Yeah, the hard way, isn't it? Like, yeah, you you kind of almost if someone was to say to you, Look, you know, if you do this, then you're gonna, if you compromise on your pricing, then you're gonna feel like shit, and then you're gonna end up resenting the okay, thanks very much. But actually, living that, (laughs) I'm never doing that again. I mean, my face does not hide things, so I don't know how that went. (laughs) I had to do a lot of training with coaching and all sorts of things to really try and neutralize my face. But like, oh man, I was just, I reckon I was like one eyebrow up, like, what the, are you okay? what is happening right now? The rage. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's so interesting. And similarly, I've had people like, you know, take places that I did. I used to offer places at reduced rates and stuff like that, only for them to buy somebody else's course who I know would never offer reduced rate. Mm. And that was charging like three times as much as me. Like it's, and it, and that's not to judge those people. It's more to say, I think they often believe it in the moment, but it's more that they don't understand the value. Yeah. And I love that you bring this from a perspective because my brain tends to go you need to communicate that in your content and in your emails actually very big fan of communicating a lot of that in your emails yeah but what you're saying as well is or in the call yeah I think you your content can absolutely and your sales pages all of your your copy can Mm. do the heavy lifting for Mm. you in that respect yeah but that's the start of the conversation Mm. because actually like when you think about the right person who is ready to buy, yeah, like there are going to be like even more granular details. And yeah. so it like what I see happening so often is so the person, like we assume we know what people want, mm. especially if we, and this is a very common thing with my clients who are experienced coaches. Like we, especially if you've got quite a body of testimonials saying mm. this was the game changer, that was the thing. I thought mm. I signed up for this, but actually it was that. And so then you lead with the stuff that you know that you can see that they need because you've been in the space a while and you can, you know, like I can look at someone's launch debrief and I'm like, it's that, it's that, it's that, it's that. Mm. Like I can see that data and I immediately know, but I wouldn't like, and this isn't me saying like, oh, like Del Boy, like, give you know sell them what they want and give them what they need like yeah but it is like if I was to say to somebody look I can see that you 
you know, there are some some blind spots here when it comes to how you're thinking about going into your next launch. And that's going to be the biggest difference to you when they've said that there's a very practical thing that they think that they need. Like mm. I'm selling them this new idea that yeah. they don't like. And so they're going to be like, oh, yeah, no, that I, I can't really afford that at the moment. Yeah. because That feels like a luxury to me, because actually what I need is this very structured funnel or this very structured launch plan so yeah I can't really afford that at the moment but I def- I'm gonna yeah I'll be I'll back, circle back yeah yeah I'll circle back. yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. and I think though that it, I think that they're actually like so if someone was going to hire you and they already know what they need they probably wouldn't need to hire you like do you know so if, if someone when someone turns up with money stuff if I was to go well turns out and I do kind of talk about this in the podcast but turns out not really about money a lot of it's about your self-worth a lot of it's about what you've been led to believe about you but they're like but often before that it's like yeah 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 yeah, Ray. but I need to make more money yeah I get all that but I need to make more money and so and that is a real it's a bit of a push and pull in my work for sure but like if I was to sell them what I know they need like that's too nuanced and like I live this stuff this is my everyday like like, this is my like thing I'm obsessed with of course I'm going to know more of the ins and outs of what they actually need but they don't know that yet because they haven't worked with me yet does that make sense so I know the Del Boy bit that people say but I'm actually like yeah but if they already knew they probably wouldn't need to work with you in the first place like of course they're a step like it's it's what they need but what they what do they think they need like, what do they think they need before they get to you? And then you, as the expert, and I know lots of us are uncomfortable being experts, but you are, you as yeah. the expert show them what they actually need. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? It does make sense. And I think this is where you can take your sales conversations from, I can't afford it to, I can't afford not to do it. Because yeah. Actually, like when you ask someone specific questions about, where like what their problem is or where they are right now and then you ask them about where they want to be so that you're very clear on the gap so they've told you so you might say it's a self-worth problem Mm. as a heading but they're going to tell you exactly what their specific self-worth problem Mm. is if you get into the detail Mm. of it and so then when you make somebody an invitation to work with you rather than just saying like with respect absolutely you've identified some really key pieces to this puzzle there are Mm. a couple of other pieces that because you're not a money coach or because you're not Mm. you know you may not they they may not be in your awareness there are a couple of other things that we would work on together Mm. can I tell you a little bit more about what it would look like and then the first part of the invitation is they've told you exactly what it like so you've said that you have this like problem around you know you get invited to do lots of guest expert spots and you would like to take them but you're not at the moment and so one of the first things so we're not saying like I'm going to take your self-worth problem here Mm. so that you can feel more worthy of your success yeah because people are like I can't afford that right now Ray to be honest with you Mm. I'm I'm struggling to accept Mm. they don't make the correlation and we do because like that's language that we use every day We, we generalize because we've got you know, we, we couldn't possibly talk about all of the different specifics mm. and all of the different ways. Like, so we generalize most of the time, but your sales conversation isn't the time to do that. Yeah. It's yeah. the time to say, right, so you've said here, so we know that that, that would 
fall into the bucket of self-worth mm. when it comes to our marketing yeah more specifically but when it comes to sales we want to get down to the granular like this ready to buy person is yeah. having this particular problem yeah with this particular aspect mm. of self-worth so when I make you an invitation it's going to be based on that so when yeah. I say look what do you think are you in you're going to be like yes yeah I've literally had my credit card in my hand for the last five minutes <laughs> hoping that you would say yes you fit the bill and yeah let's work together because you're saying so so say they show up with that masterclass thing you're saying well let's work on this and then you can book those masterclasses yeah you're literally, literally saying telling you yeah what, yeah what taking them from one to the next yeah. yeah nice I love that and that's so useful for everyone to hear for like not just your sale like your sales calls and, and by the way this would be the same for like dm conversations Absolutely, and voice yeah. notes but also for your content because I think like and I get so much content from sales calls yes so like I'm constantly scribbling down like oh could talk about that could talk about that because you want to take those conversations and obviously not use names and obviously not use anything that makes that person identifiable in any way but taking the themes so that people are able to have those answers even before they come and then you you take even more in the call yeah. I love that so I wanted to like talk a little bit as well like your part of your title is about got to find it again now to make sure I say it properly is being a high ticket launch and sales strategist so I wanted to ask like what differences are there when you're selling high ticket do you think I think it's easier to sell high ticket interesting love yeah I really do. do you think you find it easier or do you think it's easier I think generally it's easier mm. because I think when you are, and when I say high ticket, so most of my experience has been selling things from 15K to 100K, mm -hmm. a little bit around the kind of five five to 10K mark, but predominantly it's only now that I, yeah, selling a whole, whole range of things mm. at different price points, but I think it's easier. And why do you think that is? It's just a different level of conversation. Mm. And I think from my experience, like having a conversation with somebody and saying, okay, look, the investment is a hundred thousand pounds. And mm. then saying, yeah, can I, I want to pay in full, but can I split that into two parts is a much, e yeah. The first time. Oh, that's said so that, delicious. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love, um, I love that. I love that. And can I just say something? I've just, this, I realize this has just popped into my head and I wonder if it's popped into other people's heads as well. Am I right in thinking most of the coaches, are you working with coaches in the States, in the UK, or mostly in the UK? Both. Right. Yeah. And do you find there's a difference in attitude there between the how we respond, talk about money, or how we buy high ticket, even? I do not know. Not, mm. I mean, when I probably, when I first started out, like, probably about five years ago, when I first sort of properly started moving into the high ticket space, I would say people in the US are uh, tend to be a little bit more relaxed about talking about money, yeah. especially big numbers. Yeah. Um, and also spending money on coaching in particular, yeah. you know, it, I think it's very normal here now, you know, yeah. to spend to invest in your development and to invest big numbers in your development, mm. I think, whereas like five years ago, maybe not so much there was a lot well there was a lot more fear around yeah. investing in high ticket coaching mm. because it was just newer for, for the UK market I would say and you don't find that's particularly you think that's got better in the UK 
Yeah, I think so. I love this. It's, yeah. Do you know one of my favourite things in the what, like literally in the world, is the way that we can have these different stories existing at the same time, and they can become one side of them can become facts. So to give you an idea, I once had a client. I'm trying to remember exactly what was said. I had a client say in one day, like one client say one thing and one client say the other thing. One client said, "I don't want to charge more because the more you charge." the more people want from you, the harder work those clients are. And then I had another client say, no, exactly. Another client say, I just find the more I charge, the easier the clients are. And it's so interesting because I just realized, as you said, that that I've had a story and I can hear, as you said, I was like, oh, right, that's a fucking story. You you absolute knobber. But like, (laughs) which is... That since 2020, it's harder to sell coaching in the UK. And I know why that is. I'm not going to go into names, but there was quite the kerfuffle in 2020. And I and some friends got kind of, I didn't quite get dragged into it. I felt like I was was days away from being dragged into some really bad trolling and all sorts. But I had some clients and some friends be like, just really, like people really went for them about it. And I think that stuck with me as a story that like, actually it's harder and you're saying the opposite and I'm I'm believing you because I love it I love hearing like you're selling that stuff and you're like no I think people are becoming more aware I think it's it's just so lovely to hear yeah I think it is becoming more normal and I, mm. and I think that we can't like sales is one of those things that or your sales skills are you can't just and I actually worked with someone recently who was like super successful coach who'd taken a bit of a break from her business and she'd come back and she was like I don't even think I need your help but I can't work out what's going on Mm -hmm. and she was like I spent you know back in whenever it was I spent a whole year working on my sales skill set and all of the different areas of sales and so I feel like I'm good at sales and I was like, okay, good, that's great. But what have you done since then? Because it's yeah. one of those things that, A, you continually need to develop your skills mm. because the way that people are buying this year is different to the right. way people were buying last year. Yeah. And will be different probably next year. Yeah. Like the, the, the ways that we sell to people, the way that we connect with our potential clients, it changes all the time. And mm. if you're still doing the same thing that you did, you're not going to get the same result. What it's going to do is going to knock your confidence. And you're going to be scratching your head thinking, what am I like? What is not working? It's me. It's got. I'm laughing because I feel so called out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Hello. Sure. Sure, Leah. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk after. (laughs) But no, absolutely. And I think it harks all the way back to what you said originally, which I think from what you said just sounds like one of your biggest skills is this discomfort thing. I think Mm. so many of us in the online business space have felt so uncomfortable in our traditional employment. And we've come to work for ourselves and we're like, when does it get comfy? Yeah. When does it, when am I going to, you know, exactly. When am I going to find, like, when does it stop changing? When does yeah. it calm down? And I do think, don't get me wrong. I, I think there is nervous system regulation. Mm. Like you can be very dysregulated. That's, yeah. and, and that makes it much harder to navigate change. Navigating change when your nervous system is in order And then you actually like, I always tell this story, but I was listening to a Brené Brown podcast once and she was talking about how her husband is a pediatrician and he's really good with uncertainty because he's constantly got patients who 
whose like mm. outlook is uncertain. And it was the first time <laughs> that I knew that that it was that people were okay with uncertainty. I was like, what? What do you mean? What do you mean he's good with it? But it's wrong. I don't understand. I was just yeah. my mind, even though like I'd done work around being co- like comfortable with discomfort and all of those things, but uncertainty, I was like, is this like magic that I've never heard of? And yeah. I think that really, really, what's the word? Stab us in the foot. Is that a phrase? But it really gets in our way when we're like, when will this, when will it stop changing? Like I've yeah. learned the skill set. When will it like, so I've done it now. It just doesn't. To be honest, though, I think those fundamental things are like the being uncomfortable, being okay with having Mm. a a difficult conversation or holding Mm. the space for a difficult conversation. And that kind of and I say this and it's funny because if my friends who don't know me in a professional capacity listen to this, they would be like, but you hate confrontation. (laughs) And you're like the last person Mm. to be like, excuse me. Like, I'd Mm. be like, oh, it's okay. It's just standing on my foot and moving a minute (laughs) in everyday life. But I think when it's in the name of transformation Mm. and it's in the name of doing good and like doing your, like doing your duty Mm. and that I I stole that from my, I'm working with a vocal coach at the moment. She said Mm. that to me yesterday because I said I was doing that. She was like, do your duty. Mm. Yeah. And so when it's in the name of that and you're, it's different, I think. I think so. And also, and I don't like, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. I think the very core of what we're talking about. So for me, it's always telling the truth. That's one of my values. And so I really encourage people like I want people again in their content and in their their sales calls. God, definitely. I can't, I can't believe how people avoid this even in a sales call to talk about the elephant in the room, which is money. Like Mm -hmm. I think everybody with a business should be addressing like it doesn't need to be like mine is like daily about money but it should be addressing money in some capacity yeah. with their clients and their, and even their customers if they've got a product-based business but so I think for me it's about telling the truth which is so I'm like well it's a it's a conversation in the air so it's truthful to let it out but also I think one of the fundamentals of sales is connecting with humans yeah and actually if we go back to what you said at first about being that excitable puppy when we do that we're not actually connecting with them. No, creates a disconnect. We're we're like like you said, we're that puppy running at them, being like, yeah. like licking their oh, face, God. like, like all right, all right, <laughs> I love you too, but just calm yeah. down. And that throws off the uh, power balance. Is it like gets thrown off and all sorts? But yeah, it's not. We're not actually taking a moment to connect with the human in front of us. And that's mm-hmm. a fun. I think what you said, like the discomfort piece, is a skill that doesn't change. And I think connecting with humans. 100% yeah is a skill that doesn't change yeah. like the tech can and some of the other bits and bobs but yeah, those bits absolutely. don't change yeah 100% I think relationships are especially in the rise of more automation and AI and all of that sort of stuff like yeah. your relationships are everything and I think that is another thing that is knowing that like mm. if you have a sales conversation with somebody mm. and they tell you they can't afford it yeah. That isn't like a dagger to your heart and that's it, they're dead to you. Yeah. This is the start of a relationship. If you've yeah. identified this other human being has got a yeah. problem that you can help them solve. And so just let's, you know, let's maintain a relationship. Yeah. Like let's get yeah. to know each other. Let's, yes. you know, it's yes. not over. Like if someone says, you know, no, it's not the right time or anything. Okay, yeah. great. Well, I'm here when you're ready. And I love that, you know, 
And these things sort of circulate. You never really know where it's coming from, but they like circulate around the industry. And one of the things that was said a lot was when someone goes, they're gone. Like if they say no, that's your like your opportunity to work with them gone. And it's just not true. Do you know what though? Sometimes it is true because mm. a lot of people, when I say to people, when I onboard new clients and I say to them, right, what is your your strategy to connect with unconverted leads? Yes. And they're like, huh? Yes. And we spend so much time. And I know mm. that some people don't like the, the the terminology, like the sales terminology. Yeah. And I say that as somebody who's very ethical. We're mm. talking about human beings with heartbeats. And the, yeah, the, but they're also leads. I think that's yeah, fine. I, yeah, absolutely. But I yeah. Think, like if you don't have an unconverted lead strategy, then they are gone. Yes, yes, okay. I love that definition yeah. because I think what happens, and that's oh, that's brilliant because what happens is people don't have that strategy, and so what they do is they pressure the person to try yes. and stay in the the system they've got. Yeah, rather than letting them go off and be a human. Like some people need to make a decision. I mean, I've had lots of clients because I always get to the end of the call and I go, "So how are you feeling? What do you think?" and some of them go, I'm in. Like, why have you? Why have I not paid you yet? Like, yeah. and some of them go, Can I just go away and think about it? And I don't think, like, and some of those people say no, but I reckon the people who go away and think, and the people who say no on the call, like, I think the no's are the same and the yeses yeah. are the same. I think it all comes yeah. out in the wash. So we definitely need to give people that space because people just think differently. Yeah. And some people have like, what's the word? Impulse bought before, and they're like, Give me a minute. I can be quite bad with this. Yes. Give me, and I'll think about it. Some people arrive on the call they want to buy. But yeah, like it's on us. If we're trying to press them into buying the moment, that's on us for not having that system you've just talked about, essentially. Because yeah, yeah, in my experience, yeah, you just absolutely, I'll, I often put in reminders to like check in with that person. I don't have a very good system of, of anything, but you know. You but... don't need to though. Like the thing is you don't need to. You don't need to be like, you don't ha need to have the structure like mm. to the nth degree. You don't need to have, it, it can be as simple as, I'm going to put this in my diary. That's what I do. I'm just and going I, to put a note in my diary. That's and all. I also, again, very humanly and naturally, if I record a podcast or I, I see something for that person, I pop it over to them. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I recorded this and it really made me think of our conversation. I hope you're well. Yeah. And I don't really lead with anything else other than that. Just a yeah. genuine like, hey, this made me think of you. Sometimes if I've like, if I've said, and I also do this thing where I ask for permission to check in with them again. So if I've done that, I will. Yeah. But often it's just a like, let's, like you say, let's build a relationship. Yeah. Like, let's, let's be friends. That's <laughs> it. You never know where it's going to go, though. Yeah. You know, I've had so many sales conversations that have not gone the way that I thought they would at all. Yeah. And we've ended up being like friends in real life. Yeah. Or they've invited me to do a guest masterclass spot in yeah. their program. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. you just don't know, do you? No, it, absolutely. The relationships are yeah like they're so important well it's where it all comes from like I've had, I've invited people on the podcast for nothing more than to come on the podcast in fact this is I went on somebody else's podcast and then I accidentally sold them the, my course and then I've been I've had someone on this course this podcast and then they bought my course like with my mastermind I think it was afterwards or a one-to-one -one. like that's happened a few times as well yeah. and it's not like it, it it comes in all sorts of ways Leah I could talk to you all day about this like I've oh, got so many questions that I haven't too. asked I've loved this so I always end the podcast the same way with guests. I always ask three questions, the quick fire ones. Oh, so the okay. first question is money is finish that sentence. And then the second one is, are there any books or podcasts or anything like that that you 
like have listened to recently or just really stuck with you that you recommend you'd recommend to our listeners it can be fiction it doesn't need to be business based do you know what I I don't I'm really boring I only read non-fiction books I'm reading the diary of a CEO how are you the Stephen Bartlett one yeah and yeah I'm loving it Mm. yeah he's so interesting I think did you see the stuff about how they test their podcast TikToks and stuff I'll try like anyone like try and look it up it was his marketing person and they basically as soon as they put the podcast out they have a bot testing different titles different reels to see what's working best and then they start off with quite a few and then they just like narrow it down to the ones that are working they basically like beta test all these different things but he's like they're like like the work that goes into that podcast being what it is is actually like kind of astounding like I was like whoa you take that seriously that's not just a let me record with my mates and put it out it's like (laughs) and then the last question is if you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life what would it be only eat one thing yeah oh my god pizza pizza that was the easiest question. Can I just <laughs> say that although I said money is everything, like I do, mm. I love money, and I, but I do have children that I also think are great. <laughs> so I just do want you to be like, wow, okay, money is everything. Well, yeah. I love that answer because a, it's really honest, and b, like it just really speaks to your detachment to it as well. Like money is so much fun; it's yeah. so much fun, and love I think. In sales, it can feel like, like you say, like someone says, oh, I'd love to pay that that hundred grand in full, but can I put it into two payments? Like things like that, where you're like, sure, what? Like it's it's such a joy, money in that sense. And that's yeah. what that answer spoke to me of, like it just being like a really beautiful part of your life. I love yeah, that answer. You know it is, but also my children. And I like them too. Things, sure, sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're true, up there true. as well. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so can you let people know how they can find you? Okay, so Instagram at iamlea.co.uk is where I am. So yeah, come and say hello. No, thanks for having me. You're welcome. It was brilliant. And um, thank you everybody for listening. I will see you next time.